Hello, church family. Thank you for joining us for another message from Res Life Holland. We hope this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus and empowers you to live the life God has for you. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. This morning, I want to talk about God and, and, and what names the Bible shares about God. Um, the dictionary says a name is that by which a person or thing is known. Now, God in, in Scripture has many different names. It's interesting, you know, nowadays when we pick a name, a lot of people are like, just, they just like what it sounds like. My sister named her son Tristan, and we told her that that meant sadness. She's like, I don't care, I just like how it sounds. <laughs> like, okay. Nowadays, we, we don't give a lot of value to what the meaning was. But in the Old Testament and in, in Bible times, names were very revelatory. They told us about uh, the person. God named, for example, Adam meant, you know, we've come to, to associate it with man, but it meant from the earth or taken from the red earth. Jacob, if you remember his story, he was named usurper or supplanter, and he did usurp and supplant his brother. And then God changed his name to Israel when he made him the head of uh, the Hebrew people. So many times God went in. Remember Abraham? His name went from father to the father of many. God kept going in. He, he cared what those names were. And God has many names. Now, just last week, we were uh, hanging out with some friends and one of them mentioned that they had heard from a Christian college student, and I wasn't surprised by what they'd heard, I was surprised by where they heard it, that all the religions are really worshiping the same God by different names. And I thought, you know, he heard that at a Christian college somewhere, and I thought, oh, no. You know, that you'd hear that someplace wasn't surprising. Now, there is, there is a truth to the fact that many religions may have begun by trying to discover, you know, define the creator. But there is, it is not the same thing. And I was, I was trying to think of how could we best explain that. The Bible says clearly there will be people who will even claim to be God and be wrong. It says, Mark 13, 6 says, many will come in my name claiming I am a he and will deceive many. Just because someone says this is God doesn't mean they're right. And I thought, so how many of you believe that George Washington, first president of the United States, existed? Okay. So if I said to you, I believe in George Washington he was a surveyor. He eventually became general in the Revolutionary Army. Uh, he was the first president. He uh, served for two terms. He was offered kingship. He denied it um, and stepped down, starting what was an unofficial term limits of two. Um, it became official in 1947 when FDR went three terms, um, first president to break the unspoken rule, so they made it spoken and written. That was... President George Washington. But if someone else said, you know, I believe in the first president as well. I usually call him Jeff Washington. And I don't think 
I mean, he was the first president, but, but I think he used to be a member of royal, British royalty, and he just wanted to be a bigger king than his uncle George, and so he tried. Now, they're still describing the first president, but when you have so many attributes and so many things wrong, are you talking about the same person? No. Jeff Washington who allegedly was a British royalty who tried to become king of the U.S. isn't the same person as George Washington. Because no matter whether you say, well, we're both talking about the first president. No. Because it's not the same thing. Now, a a common example would be the Muslim religion worshiping Allah. We as Christians believe that Jesus is God. The Muslim religion teaches in Quran 5-7 for Christians, it it tells them that worshipers of Jesus are condemned to hell. According to that. How how can the same, how can we be worshiping the same God if that God says those who worship this God go to hell? We're not. It is not the same thing. However, There are many names for God. And I do believe, and I I believe this truly, I believe that you can worship God without having a full understanding of who he is yet. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that when someone seeks to know God because they don't have all of the details right, it's not really God that they're seeking. But what I am saying is that these religions that have have defined who God is and it is so contradictory that they are not seeking the same God that we are worshiping. They are teaching, seeking a false God is what the Bible would say about that. So I want to look at some of the names um, and also I want to look at what we learn from them. Um, going to start uh, in the very beginning, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. Now that term, God, is Elohim. It's used 2,500 times. And the root is said to come from Mighty One or the Maker. The Bible says in 126, then God said, Let us make man in our own image, in our own likeness. Elohim is a compound word. It starts with the, and then many scholars have described it as the plural of majesty. So the majesty, the greatness, the mightiness. But as as some of us know, English, when you only speak one language, you kind of assume other languages are like your language. How many of you remember taking a foreign language in school? How many of you remember when, how many of you was it Spanish? How many of you remember when the teacher said everything is masculine or feminine? And you were like, what? (laughs) What's the point of that? So other languages have things like masculine, feminine, plural, or singular built in Two, you don't have the house 
and the houses, it's not the same the. There's a plural the, and there's a singular the. And then there's a plural this and a plural. Well, in Hebrew, there is a singular the, but a plural majesty. So he's the singular majesties. From the very beginning, and he said, let us make man in our own image. We as Christians worship what we describe as a triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he is, it is one God, but there is a plurality, a triunity to it. And we're, we're not going to spend the whole day talking about that because other people have spent entire books on, on, on describing it. But we recognize that God himself identifies himself as being one God, but then having those attributes of the, the Father, the Son. Some people have said to try to describe it, they, they look at water. Water is water, but it can also be ice and steam. But does it cease to be water when it's frozen? No. Does it cease to be water when it's vapor? No. It's still water, but it's presented differently. It's still, it's three in one. That's not a perfect example, but we're just going to go with it because we don't want to take too much time. Um, He is three in one from the very beginning. Genesis 14, 18, we're going to look at the name El Elyon, the Most High. It says, Then Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. This is, this is the first time. This is right at the beginning. This is before the law and the prophets. This is, but this is when tithing was brought, by the way. Some people have said, well, tithing passed away with the law. It was before the law. This was a principle of honor to the king Melchizedek of Salem. But it says, the God most high. Most high. I was talking a little bit when we were doing the the communion how it's important to recognize the answers that we're given. And I've used this example before, so some of you will already know. But if I just say 72, what good does it do you? 72. 72. (laughs) Who cares? 72 is how many inches I am tall. If you asked me, how tall are you? And I said, 72 inches. That's six feet. You'd be like, oh, okay. That helps. But if I give you an answer and you didn't ask a question, oftentimes the information just doesn't have any value. And one of the things that I think to myself every time I'm preparing a message is sometimes I'll look at something and I'm like, oh, isn't this exciting? And I'll look at some biblical truth and then I realize, you know, I need to find a way to present this where people recognize what what questions it answers, 
Why is this information valuable? Why does it matter that God is the God most high? Yippee, he's God most high. What, why? Because. What if there was other gods higher than he? What if? What if we were serving a God who wasn't the most high God? You see, we need to, to recognize how this impacts us. It was God most high, Elion, who so loved the world that he gave, sent his son to redeem us with a, a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Our God, who was the most high, lowered himself to the level of the lowest sinner to take on the guilt of our sin. And then he returned to the right hand of the Father at the most high. Philippians 2.9 says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. We've talked a lot about authority. When it says that his name is above other names, we're not talking God's the tallest. We're not referring to how high up the mountain his house is. We're talking about his authority. God's authority is the utmost. And then that is exciting because, and this is a total another sermon that we don't get to get into, is he did what with his authority? He gave it to us. So when we are, are out in the world living our lives, coming up against situations, coming up against other authorities... We need to recognize our God is God most high. Elion, his authority is higher. His authority is higher. Uh, Jerry Christian was here at the, the event. They had their, their car stolen when they were living in Mexico as missionaries. Twice. Both times when they found the vehicle, it was in the possession of police officers. And one time, it was in possession of a special police, like, you know, there are levels. So you have, like, the, the county police, and then you have, you know, the state police. And then you have, like, the secret service that work. It was that level of police officer who happened to be in possession of their stolen vehicle. And in the entire country, there were only six police officers who could, maybe there wasn't six. There was only a very small number. I might have the wrong number wrong. Very, very small number of police officers who had the authority to arrest that level of policemen. And guess what they found eating tacos around the corner? One of the few that had the authority to arrest them. They were the most high. They had a problem, and the solution required someone with a high level of authority to be able to take on the problem. We serve a God who is the most high. Another, El Olam, the everlasting God. 
Genesis 21:33 says, Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the eternal God. It refers not just to his everlasting existence, but also his everlasting faithfulness. Psalms 90, 1 through 22 says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place through all generations. Before the mountains were born, you brought forth the whole world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. It's easy to to think and understand why it matters that God is eternal and that he is eternally faithful. He is everlasting, but he is also consistent. If God was always there, but you never knew what he would be like, well, God promised me something last week, but who knows? No, the Bible describes him, puts as one of his names, he is the everlasting, consistent, ever faithful God. Why does this matter to me? Because when I read his word written over a thousand years ago, his character remains the same. When I read the promises that he made to his followers, those promises still apply to me. God is the everlasting God. El Shaddai. How many of you, when you hear hear that, think of the old Amy Grant song? El Shaddai, El Shaddai, no, no, no. I do. The all-sufficient one, the almighty one. This would be the, the, in theological terms, omnipotence, total power to provide. Some describe it as, as the, being capable of providing. It says in Romans 17.1, it says, uh, or 17, says, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. I am God Almighty. I walk before me faithfully and blameless. Genesis 28, 3 says, May God Almighty, again, this is El Shaddai, bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. He is all providing, all capable. You know, if we were praying to God and wondering, you know, God, I'm not sure if you can pull this off, but if you can. You know, we don't say it out loud, but sometimes we look at our situations and we, we treat them as though they're more powerful than our God. Why does it matter that he is El Shaddai? The Bible says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. 
that, that, that it is all his and at his disposal. Why does, it, why does it matter that we understand that? Because if we don't understand that, then we don't come to him with faith. We come in doubt. We come praying, well, you know, I don't know if you can pull this one off, but if you could, it should be nice. <laughs> no, God is the God Almighty, El Shaddai, he who can provide. Next name is Adonai, also in Amy Grant's song, which means Lord, Master, or Owner, or Ruler. Genesis 15, 1 through 2 says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my state is Eliezer of Damascus? He was, he was distraught. He says, you are, you are my master. And he starts asking God. But notice I hadn't planned on making this observation, but I'm going to go back to it. If we look at this verse, God said to Abraham, I'm your shield, I'm your great reward. Abraham, the next words out of his mouth show where Abraham's mind was. He's like, but what can you do for me? Because I've got a situation that is bad. I'm supposed to be the father of many nations, but my wife has been barren. The only child I have is a legit, illegitimate one with one of my servants. What can, what can you do for me? But go back. God gave him the answer right before he asked the question. He said, I'm your shield and I am your very great reward. God says, hey, I've got you covered and I will reward you. I will give you the good that you are seeking. God defined himself in what he called himself. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, confess him as Lord. It's talking again about this lordship. To acknowledge him as whom you serve. Each week, I usually quote the verse, Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And it, it crosses my mind often that I don't have enough time to focus on professing Jesus is Lord, because Lord isn't just a name, like Lloyd. Lloyd is a name. Lord is a position. Jesus, God is Adonai. He is Lord. We're not just saying, okay, I recognize your name is Lloyd. No, no, no. We're not saying, yep, okay, I'll put that in the, the pile of, of nicknames I'll call you. Lord, no. When you call him Lord, when you recognize he is Lord, you are acknowledging he has a position over you, and you submit to serve him. 
when we profess with our mouth and believe with our heart that he is Lord, what we're doing is we're giving him lordship in our life. We're saying, I choose, and I'll, you'll catch me clarifying when, we're, when I talk at the end, when I when altar call, I always say, I choose to make you the Lord of my life. I choose to serve you. Why? Because that's what that means. To acknowledge him as Lord isn't just, oh, it's another name. No. It's a position. Amen. He is Lord of all. And he needs to be the Lord of our life. Whew. Okay. <laughs> Jehovah. Jehovah. Exodus 3, 13 through 15. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what, and I think he had a deeper voice. I, <laughs> this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, this is where it says Jehovah, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. What is his name forever? Jehovah. From generation to generation. Bible scholars state that Jehovah sounds similar to I am. So when he said, I am, and when then he said, my name is Jehovah, he said those actually sounded similar. The Hebrew word for Lord sounds like and may be related to the Hebrew word for I am. Then Exodus 6, 2, 3 says, God also said to Moses, I am the Lord, and I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, the Lord, Jehovah, I did not make myself fully known to them. It's interesting. There's a few interesting things about Jehovah. So the Bible, remember one of the Ten Commandments was not to take the Lord's name in vain? Remember that? So the Hebrews took that very seriously. And they were like, well, we do not want to take the Lord's name in vain. What is his name? His name is Jehovah. What does it mean to take his name in vain? And there was disagreement about it. There's a, I, I know a, a Jewish rabbi who tells this joke. I'm not telling this joke. He's telling you this joke. I'm telling you the joke he told me. He said, if you have two Jewish rabbis in a room, you have three opinions. He said, there's always disagreement between... There. And, and this was the case. They, they couldn't decide on, well, what exactly does it mean to, to, to take the Lord's name in vain? Let's be safe. So they said, let's never pronounce it. Let's never write it in its fullness. When it's written, they would exclude the vowels, and there would only be the consonants. And they, they, they never fully write it. You may have come across, some people still do that today as a, as a practice. But how do you pronounce a word that was never pronounced? How do you read a word that was never fully spelled? So when we say Jehovah, or you've other heard people say Yahweh, those are all assumed pronunciations. If someone says, no, it's not Jehovah, it's Yahweh, you're like, you know what? Nobody was pronouncing it. We don't know. 
but it's something close to that. He says, I am the Lord. And then he says, I didn't make myself fully known to him. This is another interesting concept that we as Christians need to understand, and that is that the Bible is progressive revelation, meaning that Adam, then Abraham, and then King David, and then the disciples, and then you know, the, the, the early church, were, were being progressively given more and more information about God. And here in this verse, God actually says, hey, I was known to them, but here's some new information. There is progressive revelation. We grow and we learn more about his character. John 8, 58. Now, Jehovah, by the way, I just in case you care, it appears in the Bible 5,321 times. And it appears to come from the, uh, the term the I am or eternal existing one. John 8, 58 says, Very truly I say to you, Jesus answered, Before Abraham was, I am. John 14, 6 answered, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 8, 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have light for life. Or a light of life, excuse me. So Jesus seemed to be adding to the understanding of who God is and what he was. There are compound names. You've heard Jehovah then would come with another term along with it. So let's, with some of our time here, hit a few of those. Jehovah Elohim, Genesis 24.4 says, This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God, that's Jehovah Elohim, made the earth and the heavens. One of the names of God is Jehovah, the mighty, the creator. He created the heavens and the earth. Why does that matter? Why, why, do we, why does it matter? Because when we recognize that he is the one who created us, we recognize he understands us better than we understand ourselves. He understands our purpose better than we can understand it. He designed us for a reason. We all know. Have you ever dug through like a real handyman's toolbox? And you're like, what does this do? What, what is this for? You know, or, or you try to find something, you're just, you know, I, I need to get, I need to do this. And you're like grabbing it and you grab, you know, a pliers. I tell my kids, go get me a pair of pliers. And they, you know, they go grab me a needle nose pair of pliers and what I needed was something to move. Like, if you don't have something, if you're using it for something other than its purpose, it doesn't quite fit right. It slides around. It doesn't fit in that space. But God, he knows our purpose because he is the creator of our purpose. Jesus, Jehovah, 
Jehovah Elohim. Now, Jehovah Rapha. Exodus 15.26, it says, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in His eyes, if you pay attention to His commandments and keep His decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. He is our healer. Man, why does it matter that he heals. When we pray for the sick, how are we to expect and pray for them with faith if we have not come to the full understanding that we serve the God who heals? There are entire churches that teach that he used to heal and doesn't anymore, that that somehow passed away. But the Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says that in him there is no shadow of turning. The Bible says one of his names, remember, is that he is the consistent, constant, everlasting one. If he was the healer, he is the healer. When I look in Scripture and it says that you shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover, what does that mean? Do it. And, and what if the authority that is putting that sickness on their body claims to be high? Well, I know from his names, he is the most high. And he has given me that authority, and he's a healer, so I come at that situation confident that I come both with healing and the authority to give that healing. <laughs> Jehovah Rapha. Then Jehovah Jireh. Genesis. 22:14. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Now, it's so interesting. We've, we've shared this, I've, I've shared this before, but I get really excited about this fact. That God, that Abraham called him Jehovah Jireh and said, on this mountain it will be provided, when he was there, most likely in the exact spot where Jesus, thousand years later, would be crucified. More like 1,500, but over 1,000 years later. God had provided. He would provide. What in specific? He provides so much, but what in specific was Abraham looking forward to? He had told his son he would provide a sacrifice. And then he looked forward and it says, and it is, to this day it is said that on this mountain he will provide. What was he going to provide? His son. He was going to provide the sacrifice of his son on the cross in that place so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ. I don't have it in the right order, but that's another one of his names. 
is Jehovah Sidkenu. So I'm going to jump out of, out of order because it just fits so good. Jehovah Jireh will provide the sacrifice so that we can become the righteousness of God in Christ. One of his other names is Jehovah Sidkenu. Romans 23, 6, it says, In his days Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the Lord by which he will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. The Lord, our righteous Savior. He is our righteousness. 1 Corinthians 1, 3 says, It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. What is righteousness? It's right standing. We see when someone is accused, they go before the judge. Their status is in question. They are alleged to be guilty of some crime. And they go before the judge. And at some point, either they are determined to be guilty or righteous. It is our... Hmm, it is our debt. We are all worthy of a guilty verdict. None of us have obtained righteous standing on our own. We all messed up. Well, some of us have probably done a few of the same things, but we all messed up in our own, had our own recipe for failure. We all sinned. But the Bible says that Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah our righteousness, our redeemer, our savior, he took that guilt so that in the, the heavenly courts where our guilt would be weighed and our consequences assigned, we have his righteousness. That's why it matters. That's what makes it so exciting. Oh, I think I went back two pages. So Jehovah Jireh, then... Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Exodus 17, 15 says, Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. And I got to thinking, how do we describe that? What is, what is a banner? Well, the banner is what they would hold up for victory in a battle. And I thought, well, the banner is like a trophy. The Lord, my trophy. But then I got to thinking, you know, we do trophies differently. First of all, yeah, I'm not even going there. If you've got a, had a kid in like peewee soccer or, or, you know, ASO soccer, everybody gets a trophy. No, I'm not even going there. What I'm going to say is, we would, until recently, we would save the awarding of the trophy until the victory was won. But in old times, they would bring their banner of victory out with them as they fought the battle. The banner of victory was both 
what they would wave at the end when they won, and they would bring triumphantly back as a symbol of their victory, but it was also the banner under which they fought for victory. It was the inspiration that brought victory. And I got to thinking, like, how would we describe that? And I, I remembered, like, I think it's a scene from the, the Patriot movie when the revolutionary soldiers were being pushed back and I think it was Mel Gibson who grabs the banner which in that case was the American flag and he raves that up and he said this is what we're fighting for this is this is what's about and then he pushes forward and they come around and then they rally and then they won and I thought now that is a better picture of the banner that God is to us he is our victory he is but he's not just the victory that we get after the battle. He is what inspires the victory during the battle. He is the banner that we fight for, that inspires us and that empowers us to fight. Song of Solomon says, Let him lead me to the banquet hall and let his banner over me be love. Jehovah Nisi, he is our banner, our victory, but not just the prize for victory, but also the inspiration of that same victory. I'll close with that. Perhaps we'll continue talking about some of the other names of God continuing forward. I hope... I hope that this wasn't just Bible trivia. That we didn't just say, guess what? There are so many names. We're not going to cover all the names of God. And, I, and it's fun. I, I love learning things as Christians. I want to grow. I want to know the gods. When somebody says the God, names of God, I want to know when someone says Jehovah Jireh what that means. There's, but more than the trivia side of it, I want to understand how that applies to my life and why it matters that I understand Jehovah Jireh provides for me. Amen. He has provided, and I can live expectant of his provision because he is Jehovah Jireh. Amen. He is Jehovah Rapha. What does that mean to me? Jehovah Rapha is the Lord who heals. I don't need to be in fear of the attacks of the enemy on my body, sickness and disease. I, I serve Jehovah Rapha. Just so. I get back into preaching mode, but I'm supposed to be closing. Let, let's... Let's be sure to take what we're learning and, 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 and apply that into our lives. Figure out, all right, it's not just trivia. This matters. This matters. This impacts my life. If you're here and you know that Jehovah Sidkenu, your Savior, your righteousness, that you have accepted the gift of righteousness that he offers, you know that you are right standing with God. I want to ask you to raise your hand. That means you know that if you died today, you'd spend eternity with him. Such a good thing.
to know. The Bible says, know you have salvation. And I read a little bit ago, Romans 10, 9, and 10, and talked about what it said about if you confess that he is Lord, what does that mean? That's not just calling him a name. That's giving him a position in your life. So if you give him the position of Lord in your life, and if you believe in your heart that he died on the cross and confess with your mouth that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. That is the Bible laying out how to receive forgiveness for sin and the righteousness, that right standing, that guiltlessness before God that he desires to give you. If you're watching online or if you're here today, with every eye closed, just a moment, I want to say, if you want to know that that righteousness is yours, that your guilt has been washed away, just raise your hand and we'll pray that prayer. I see that hand. Everyone repeat with me. Say, dear God, God, I believe believe that you died on the cross. For my sin. I believe that you rose from the dead. And I choose to make you Lord of my life. I give you that position in my life. I thank you for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If that was you, please, I'd like to meet you after service. I have a gift for you. If you happen to be watching online, prayed that prayer, send us a note. We'll send you a link, and I can, you can uh, download the exact same booklet that I plan to give him. So please, uh, join us um, next week right here. And thank you guys so much. Woo!